This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe, because as, as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Two very sort of complementary pictures there. Abraham just listening to, to God and going where he says, and Jesus saying, Look, I, I've listened to God, and whatever God tells me to do, that, that's, that's what I'm going to do. And it, I, I think it's a great picture as well in, in, in those few verses there, Jesus saying, look, I, I'm the light. I'm only going to be here a little while, uh, so you know, you'd better learn to understand what the light is, in effect, because once the, once the light's gone, unless we've got some of the light ourselves, there's nothing to light the path. We're stepping out in darkness, uh, and he wants to. And as soon as he's kind of said that to them, he goes and hides himself. And, and it's just, I think, for them, you know, giving them a taste of, of kind of the, the light disappearing. And uh, I, I just kind of like that. About, I think it's something we should we should kind of keep in our minds the idea that we need to to have the light there if to guide us along the path. And then, as he says there. I know that his command, God's command, leads to eternal life. And you've got this other picture of a kind of path going to the right place with, with light leading us. Okay, Simon's going to come and exhort us now. <laughs> and he's, I understand, is sort of partly going to pick up on this idea of sort of stepping out and, uh, in faith. So, Simon, let's, let's hear what you've got to say. Not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, who at best knows in the end the triumph of great achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place will never be with those cold, timid souls who know neither victory or defeat. Theodore Roosevelt, the 26th President of the United States, said that a number of years ago. And it's this idea of daring greatly, stepping out, as I'd like to think about it, is what I really want to share a few thoughts with you this morning.
Not from John's book, because I've not read it. I'm not a reader, really. I'm a worrier, me. That's the way I deal with things. I'm not particularly a reader. And I guess I've known what faith is. Well, I've known the definition anyway. I learned it at Sunday school. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. I prepared Bible classes about Hebrews 11, looking back at the Old Testament characters, reading these words at the end of the chapter. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Why? Because God had planned something better for us. That only together with us that they might be perfected. What's it really mean though? What's it really mean in here, in our day to day life? I was baptised in 1983. And that probably ages me a little bit. I've been brought up a Christadelphian. I'm a fifth generation Christadelphian. Not something I brag about. I went to Christadelphian Sunday school. Went to as many youth weekends as I could. And I could afford to go to. Even back then was expensive. Went on mutual improvement classes. But what was faith in practice? Not just a Sunday school proof. What was faith in practice? And I have to be honest, I guess over the last few years I've coasted in my faith. I've done plenty of works because I thought that was good. But I've coasted in my faith. I've spoke in def- different meetings. I've been out to varying different meetings, speaking, proclaiming God's word to the converted. I've presided. I've led the ALS in the Manchester area. I've ran campaigns, put up exhibitions, the the main big exhibition in Bolton. I've been an AB. I've sat in seats because I felt I had to get a tick on a register. I've done plenty of works, but had very little faith. What did it mean to me, this life in Christ? And I have to be honest, emotionally, very little. I felt I did these things out of a sense of duty. It was what was expected by my family, by the meetings that I belonged to. But I have to be honest, when things started to fall apart in my life ten years ago, None of these things brought me comfort or a sense of worth, a sense of belonging or a sense of relationship with God. In fact, I felt at that time God was very distant. He was a big, scary God. And I'm glad he was over there because he couldn't see in here. He couldn't see what kind of person I was. And I suppose it's the same in my career as well. 
When I left school, I wanted to be a nurse, but didn't get the grades in my biology O-level. So at 17, I joined ICI, which then became AstraZeneca many years later. And as many of you know, up to last June, I had a stable job. Some parts of it were good, especially the practical bits. Some parts of it were absolutely dreadful. Interactions with my fellow managers, for example. I wasn't tough enough. I wasn't hard enough. And perhaps I knew, probably, when I turned 20 years working there, that I should have left. But I drove myself to earn money. Earn money for what I thought was important to support my family. But to be honest with you, I was also rather comfortable. I knew the job. I could get in, sit at my desk, have a coffee, look busy. If the boss came in, I could look busier. Not really doing very much. I knew the people. I felt comfortable. I could do it. I was coasting. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? But again, when things fell apart... Work was no comfort. Yes, they allowed me time to recover from the depression. The three times I was off for periods of time. But I went straight back into the job that I was doing, which had caused me some of the pain. So no comfort. And as you know, I was made redundant last June. I'm retrained to be an electrician. I'm my own boss now. And instead of coasting, I feel God has asked me to step out. To stop coasting. To stop being comfortable. But it's difficult. It's awful. It's really scary. I have to be honest with you. And that's why these thoughts have come to me this today. Is I want to share that stepping out in faith is not easy. I lose sleep over it. I wake up worrying about work. Where work's going to come from. So what is faith in practice? Well... I looked at three characters and I just skimmed over them just to bring a few bits out. I have no idea whether I've brought the right information out. I just picked up some little bits. And what I want to do, and with your help I can, is to live more in faith. Not just a Sunday school proof. Not just something as a lesson, but actually a practical thing. And Steve Stephen read for us from Abraham this morning, from Genesis. And God said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, your father's household and go to a land. I will show you. Why? I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people 
on earth will be blessed through you. Leave your country. Get up. Stop being comfortable. Leave your father's household and go to a land where you've no idea where I'm going to send you. But just do it. So Abraham left. Just as God told him. And he was 75 years old. Why are we told his age? I have no idea. But whether we get an impression that Abraham was comfortable. That Abraham, who was living in Ur, he was perhaps a wealthy man. And we get that impression from the fact that he had many sheep. In fact, it caused some problems, didn't it, with a lot later on, where they had to separate because there was too many sheep and the, there wasn't enough greenery. But what did it take Abraham to leave this comfortable situation? I wish we knew. We're not told that information, are we? We're told that he just got up and did it. I wish he told us. That would help me out. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Why? For he was looking forward to a city with, with, with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So Abraham was looking for something different than he was getting in Ur. But what was the process? Did he make mistakes? Well, yes. And I'm glad he did. But it makes me feel a little better. When they went around down to Egypt, remember, don't we, the story, where Abraham told Sarah, tell him you're my sister. If you tell him you're my wife, you're a beautiful wife, they'll kill me because they want you. Abraham even doubted God. Doubted the promises that God had given him. And he went with Hagar and Ishmael came along. And we now know all the troubles that the Arabs have caused between the two nations. Sorry, and Israel, of course, between the two nations. We know the history, don't we? I wish we knew a little bit more about how Abraham felt, though. Did Abraham struggle with that change in lifestyle? With getting up out of that comfortable situation and moving on walking and stepping out with God and the scripture was fulfilled James writes Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend What a wonderful accolade to be called God's friend.
Let's go forward to the time of Jesus. Let's meet a woman who had been subject to a bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. This woman was in a dire state. According to law, she was unclean. She was treated as a leper was treated. She was not accepted in normal society. She wasn't able to go and worship because she was unclean. For 12 years she was in this situation and she tried everything. But when she heard about Jesus, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Why? If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. What a difference Jesus made to this woman's life. But what faith this woman had. There was nothing big, there was nothing fancy. She didn't go and proclaim, I need to be healed. She just crept up and touched his cloak. I will be healed. There was no, if I touch his cloak, potentially I could be healed or I'll have faith and in the kingdom I'll be healed. No, Jesus could heal. And we know, don't we, that story that Jesus felt it. He felt his power. He felt that he had healed somebody. And he asked disciples, who touched me? And the woman, knowing what had happened, came, fell at his feet, trembling with fear. And told him the whole truth. She couldn't hide. Not from the master. And I don't think Jesus wanted to put her on show. To tell her off. For touching him. Because Jesus touched lepers, didn't he? He wasn't bothered with all that purity. Because Jesus was true and pure anyway. But I think he wanted to use her as an example of a woman of faith. He wanted to show everybody what this woman had done. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Not me. Your faith has healed you. You've come and you've touched me. Yes, the power's gone from me, but it was your faith that is healed from me. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. We know very little about this woman, don't we? 
except this example of her, this episode where she showed her great faith in her master and she was healed. Jesus lifted her up from that woman who couldn't worship because she was unclean to a woman stood pure and free from her suffering. Go in peace, Jesus said. And I suppose I can't talk about faith without talking about one of my favourite characters. I quite like Peter. And I guess I like him because I think he's very similar to me. I picture him very similarly. He's got a very large frame. He's full of life. Not at times very bright. But he's full of fears and doubts. He puts his foot in it. He doesn't think before he does things. He's got rather a big mouth at times as well. Blustering about. But Jesus moulded him though. Jesus moulded him into a person, into a man who he could work with. And we know the stories, don't we? We know that on, that, on Peter, Jesus built the church that we belong to, the body of Christ. I just want to spend a little time with Peter. There's three accounts of Peter walking on water, and it's always fascinated me this. Peter doing what was impossible. I don't know why, some of you might want to tell me afterwards, but Matthew's the only one who actually accounts for why for Peter walking, uh, the account is, talks about Peter walking on the water. Mark and John don't say that. And so we'll read the Matthew version. The others, the others are in Mark 6 if you want to look at it. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into a boat. Now this was just after they fed the 5,000. Jesus wanted a bit of time, to be honest with you. And so he said, go again to the boat and go ahead of him onto the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed them, he went to the mountainside, <clears throat> up on the mountainside by himself to pray. I think this happened quite regularly, I think, is that Jesus was in very close contact with his father, just like we are with our, our fathers. We bring them up when we want to chat with them. But Jesus was in very close contact with his dad. And the evening came and he was alone, but the boat was already a considerable, considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. And Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter said, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. And I'm going to stop there. Because we always focus on the fact that he fell in. And I hate that. 
He walked on water. But what was Jesus doing? What was Jesus doing walking on water? Why did he do it? Some commentators believe that it talks about in Mark that Jesus wanted to pass them by. He was about to pass by them when he saw that when they saw him walking on the lake. And some commentators said, well, this is like God passing by Moses or Elijah, proclaiming his name, his mercy, his grace, his compassion, showing Moses and Elijah who he was. Not sure about this, <clears throat> but at the end of Matthew, we read that when Jesus got in the boat with Peter, they worshipped Jesus saying, truly you are the Son of God. And I can see this. But I also like to think it's Jesus gave Peter an opportunity to show his faith. But what on earth was Peter doing? He was a fisherman. He spent all his life on that lake. They were in the middle of a storm which I'm told storms can happen quite regularly on Galilee. I think my parents went there years ago. And exactly the same happened. They're just, uh, it swirled up and they'd be in the middle of a storm. <clears throat> but, geez, but Peter, instead of just jumping out of the boat, he did something I think probably a bit unusual for him. He checked it was the Lord... And also check that his idea about walking on water was not foolhardy. And we know that Peter got out of the boat. And yes, he walked on water. And yes, he started to sink when he was distracted from looking at Jesus. But Peter did what is impossible. He walked on the water. He knew it was Jesus. He focused on Jesus. He also thought about what he was doing. Perhaps one of the only times in his life. But he thought and checked that what he was doing wasn't foolhardy. And Jesus said, come. I guess throughout all Peter's life, he had his highs and his lows. He had his times of faith and his times of doubt. And I suppose with Peter we get a little bit more of the emotion about how Peter was. Because he was an emotional guy. He made his mistakes. He got told off. But he was so much the first to say, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And we know that Jesus restores him. Even when Peter denied him, he restored him. So, what lessons can we learn? Not theoretical. What practical lessons can we learn? And I've just started this. I value your comments. For Abraham, he was a God-fearing man. He obeyed God. 
whatever that meant to Abraham, I don't know. He was living a life of comfort and safety. And he moved out of that situation to live a life as a stranger. He did make mistakes. But he was seen and we are told that he was a friend of God. The woman with the issue of blood, she was at the end of her tether. She tried everything. And she had faith. If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And Jesus raised her up to live a whole life. Go in peace. And from Peter we see that, he, yes, he was a hot-headed person. But this time he checked that he wasn't being foolhardy. And he got out of the boat in faith, with his eyes focused on his master. And yes, he did fail. But Jesus was immediately there to raise him up. And also say to him about why he failed. And I don't think that was an admonishment. He was just acknowledging that Peter hadn't quite got enough faith. But what I like about it is that it was done before Peter, they got back in the boat. So Peter was raised up to safety. But he did walk on water. He did what was impossible. All things are possible with God. We read in Mark chapter 10. And I guess I'm left feeling as though life is going to be a struggle if we put our faith in God. If we step out and live in faith, it's going to be scary. It's going to be dangerous. It's going to be a time of worry. But with God's help and with all your help, I feel I can live more in faith. There's nothing in Scripture that's going to tell me how to do it. Give me pointers, yes. But I think I just need to live it, don't I? Just to get on with it. To step out and try it. To make mistakes. And recover from them. I've always thought the Lord Jesus, who we come to remember through this bread and wine, never made mistakes. God was always by his side. We've talked about the fact that God was very close to him. So at the end of a telephone, prayer. He was tempted in all points, just as we are, yet without sin. But I guess I really hadn't thought about it. Thought how much Jesus actually went through. Not just when he gave himself for us, but throughout his life. What was life like for Jesus, who lived to living faith of his father? I was told to somebody on Thursday, Roger actually, who we were talking about this exhortation, 
and the fact that Jesus was very close to his father. And Roger pointed out the fact that it may have not been for the three hours of darkness when Jesus was hung on the cross. I, why you get the, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know. But yet, if that is the case, that God was distant from him for that period of time, at a time when Jesus was physically and mentally in pain, Jesus still went through. He still had the faith to give himself for us. So he still was tempted and tried in all points like we are. So as we take these emblems in a moment, let's remember that God is very, very close to us. He's not a scary God out there. Through what Jesus has done, he's here. He's here. And he's all of us. He doesn't want us to coast. He doesn't want to drag us along. He wants us to walk with him, to move with him. To step out in faith. Thanks, Simon. Strange thing, isn't it, how um, works and, and faith kind of com- compete. We think that when we're doing stuff, um, and, and very often we do stuff uh, actually because we don't have faith at that period in, in time. So many things kind of get in the way of, of us actually stepping out in faith whether it's the waves crashing about us I, 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 I wonder how he made the first step I, I, you know you try to do these pictures the boat's going up and down like this do you step oh I'm on solid yeah. the, what's the first step like you know or, or did he just wait till the boat was down and he just sort of walked horizontally yeah. um, <laughs> there's no answer is it, to, to these things but um, lots of things just get in the way and I, um, so I'd like us to uh, to sing now before Trevor comes up and gives our prayer for the bread when I survey the wondrous cross now I've put up the hymn book number there actually I'd like us to, to sing it a slightly different tune because whatever we've got whatever's around us in, in our life it is nothing it is absolutely nothing compared to this my richest gain I count but loss poor contempt on all my pride all the times when we think that we can do it in our own strength this reminds us that we can't that we need that faith in God to rule our lives and it doesn't matter what we've got to give God we're the whole realm of nature mind that we're an offering far too small love so amazing so divine demands my soul my life my all Simon talked about stepping out in faith and I believe it wasn't any easier for Jesus because if it was any easier for Jesus it's meaningless I believe it was just as easy for him as it is for us how did you do it Lord? 
How did you manage to make the right decision every time? How did you manage when people were making fun of you, scoffing you? How did, how did you manage to just go through with it? How did you manage to go on that cross for me? How did you manage to go on that cross for all of us? Because you had faith. Such a little word that means so much. Because you saw the glory set before you. And to say we worship you actually is just another word. But as we now share bread together, help us to take to our hearts the words that you said to us which is that you will make your home with us. So when we do step out in faith, we're not doing it on our own, because you are with us in everything we do. And as we pass, pass this bread around, help us to remember as we step out in faith, we're not doing it on our own, because all our family, all our brothers and sisters are doing it with us. And as Simon said, as we ask for your blessing, Father, on this bread, let's just live it. Amen. The bread talks about, about lots of things. It shows us Jesus is giving. It shows him he's sharing with us. And it shows that we share with each other because we are all part of this one loaf to help each other and to give glory to him. Charlie's going to give our thanks for the wine. Father, as we now move to take this cup of wine between us, Lord, we realise that Jesus' walk of faith led him to give his life up, to spill his blood, to a place where none of us would want to go. And Father, as we take it, we pray that we will gain courage and confidence as we go through our walks of faith. Because, Lord, we don't know what's around the corner. Only you do. We're like Abraham. We, we don't know where we're, we're going. We don't know what, what's awaiting us. But as we take this wine, we pray that we will, we will find confidence to stand up tall and to walk strongly with faith in you and in our Lord Jesus Christ fixing our eyes on you Amen I knew when I prepared this morning that I would have to make some decisions about what to include and what not to include and I'm going to skip the next song which is Lord Jesus I have promised to serve thee to the end can do that because I'd like us to just spend a few moments quietly reflecting on the thought about stepping out in faith and what perhaps parts of our lives we need to put a little bit more in the in the hands of God. If it if it helps, I'm I'm just going to put up some pictures of paths. Uh, for a, for a few moments, you don't have to look at them. You can just you can ignore them. You might want to open your hymn books at 209, because hymn 209 is a prayer 
Be thou forever near me, my master and my friend. I shall not fear the battle if thou art by my side, nor wander from the pathway if thou wilt be my guide. So we shouldn't fear stepping out in faith because God and the Lord Jesus have promised that they will be with us. Whatever the things are around there, the storms, the tempting sights. So I'm just going to give us a a few quiet moments of contemplation. Our paths are not all the same. They all lead to the same place. Some of them are rockier and maybe not quite as straight as others. For some of us, and I feel this, uh, sometimes you feel as though you're walking in entirely the wrong direction and then it turns around and comes back again. I hope a number of you can actually (laughs) empathise with that thought. But one thing we all have in common And that is that in that journey, we need to trust in God. So the next song that we're going to sing is, I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to trust in Jesus without shame, without fear. I'm going to fix my eyes on the hope of glory, for his day is drawing near. How great is the love of God, how steady is his hand to guide me through this world. And though I am weak, in him I stand And you will hear me say today in faith, I'm going to trust in God. Need to place our trust in God. And we all need to support each other. We're all stepping out in that journey. And so I'm going to ask us now to sing a blessing to each other. To ask us that whilst we as we go off on that journey, that we support each other and that we want God to bless each other as we do that. So we'll sing this through twice, the first time just to remind you of the words and the second time, please try and sing it to somebody else. Heavenly Father, loving Lord Jesus, we pray that you will go with us. Hold our hands carry us when we need it just keep us pointed in the right direction Lord help us to see the light of the glory of your kingdom help us to move towards it and help us to live it now help us not to be put off by the storms by the twinkling lights of the world around us but to step out in faith towards you because you call us and you say, come. And you don't give us something to do that we can't cope with. Even though at times we fail, you know and you trust in us, Lord. You've trusted us to tell other people about you. You've given us your message and you've given us your life to live. Help us to keep that in mind and help us to be aware that you're there helping so that none of this seems something that's too big for us or too hard or too scary but something that we can do because we trust in you. 
Amen.